continuing your practice. Aware. And remembering that relaxation supports this awareness in a very natural way. Maybe the body and mind can relax. Are you aware? Maybe just recognizing that you're already aware, not needing to ask the question or really check, just acknowledging, yes, awareness is already here. what is obvious, what is already here being known with awareness. Relaxing and receiving. Not needing to make anything happen or find any particular kind of experience. There's no special experience that needs to be present for us to be aware. We are aware. Whatever is here, it is actually all we can be aware of what's already here. So what is arising? What is happening here and now?
Allowing experience to be just as it is, just as it has come to be. whatever is arising in this moment. It's not random. It has its conditions that have shaped it. Some of those conditions are that we've been sitting practicing together for a number of days. That has shaped experience. And yet another condition perhaps is the recognition or understanding that this is our last full day together. It is possible that that condition is shaping some of what's arising. And that's natural. That's very normal condition affecting experience. And this is just the natural arisings, whatever's arising for you right now. That is the conditions of your life unfolding and awareness can meet it. Just natural arisings in the mind and body. Noticing the relationship maybe a relationship of interest and curiosity or kindness and care or maybe aversion. Whatever it is, that too is just an arising, just a conditioned phenomenon that can be known. That can be allowed to
Are you aware? Whatever is arising, we can be aware of it. Sometimes at these transition points, at times when things are shifting, experience shifts. It's possible it's not necessarily true for you, but it's possible there might be more thoughts happening. Different kinds of experience maybe than you've been having previous days. But check the awareness. Are you aware? So often we make assumptions about our practice based on the kinds of experiences that are happening. If there are more thoughts, it means I'm less mindful. Maybe, maybe not. Check the awareness. Are you aware?
so with this day of practice we have together, there are some shifts and because of that, you know, because there are changes, we started talking about them yesterday and that can shift our minds. Some of you are coming to the point where you'll be transitioning from a more secluded kind of practice to a more um, integrated time in your, your lives. Some of you have been more integrated. And yet, in any case, the conditions are shifting. There is a transition happening here. And that will probably affect what you experience today. There may be more thoughts. It's natural when we've been in a pattern for for these days, gathering at these certain times, and you've probably come into some kind of pattern for yourself over these days, and that'll be shifting. And it's very natural when a pattern shifts that the mind starts thinking ahead. What's tomorrow going to look like? And even that simple thing can change what happens in the mind. Add more thoughts, various um, things that we'll be doing um, may be related to various habits or patterns that are familiar to us. So some of those habits and patterns might be re-emerging today. It's not anything that's happening that's wrong. It's just the conditions unfolding, the conditions changing and being experienced. You all have in these last days cultivated some momentum of mindfulness. And so the practice today is actually a really great place to learn about integrating the practice into kind of more um, habitual uh, conditions, habitual habits and patterns of what we do, kinds of thoughts that tend to come up. With the momentum of the mindfulness, you may be seeing more of it. You're just noticing how you are in relationship to it. Is there resistance to it? Is there frustration to it? Is there just interest? It's like, wow, look at that. That, that creature has showed up. If your mind, if your experience is a little more everyday or normal or ordinary, this is a great opportunity to recognize that we can be aware of just really ordinary experience. Mindfulness doesn't require some special state of mind. It's just able to meet whatever's here. So earlier in the 
week, there were some questions that came in um, that seemed more, more appropriate or relevant for this time of the retreat. So I'm going to respond to a couple of those now. They're kind of more about carrying this practice forward. Um, although we will do this evening in the in the session tonight, we'll do a, a kind of more um, discussion about practicing in uh, in this transition and practicing um, in our more uh, everyday lives with this practice. So we'll we'll talk about that some today. But this the questions here are kind of related to this practice in relationship to other practices. One, I'll just read this, and um, it's not really a question, but kind of a, a reflection. Some, some others of you may be experiencing something like this. I'm expecting an inner debate of what practices to cultivate after the retreat. I've recently gotten the hang of basic breath following and its related samadhi, so it feels like there might be a crossroad after the retreat. And sometimes when learning new techniques or styles, I find myself stuck without strong intention to keep up one style. Encouragingly, this awareness practice seems to have deepened the breath following practice. It is easier to welcome and let go of both breath and other sensations with the breath sensations arising again, even without conscious pre-session intention to follow them. So not a particular question in there, but a kind of a comment about seeing how this style of practice is, is, has been kind of um, naturally supporting another kind of practice that had, been, uh, had, had become a little bit easier before the retreat, that the receptive practice seemed to support the breath meditation. And so there's not a particular question here, but this to me is a place to kind of explore this topic of other practices, how this practice can support other practices, how they might be integrated. Um, mostly I think that the encouragement I want to offer um, is that um, you know, this form of practice can be its own thing. You know, it can be a complete practice in and of itself. Absolutely, I am convinced of that. There was one retreat. Um, I remember coming back from that retreat, it's probably four or five years ago now, where I had had some doubt about this style of practice. It seemed so relaxed and easy and like so little effort needed that I doubted whether the deepest realizations could happen with this form of practice. And I came out of that retreat four years ago without any doubt that this practice is sufficient for the deepest realizations. And it makes me, it, I mean, it makes sense in a way, you know, because freedom, the Buddha describes freedom as the release from greed, aversion, and delusion, the absence of greed, aversion, and delusion. And what do we do in this practice? We look at our attitude. We see when greed and aversion and delusion are in the mind. We get to know them. We watch them release. It goes directly for this practice is looking at, you know, what's happening in the moment, meeting just what's here, it's going directly for any place we're caught. Seeing that, having wisdom help us to understand it and having it release. So this practice itself is 
sufficient, I believe. Um, and yet different minds are uh, different, um, have different, different inclinations, different capacities, different strengths. And so um, it may be that this practice is not going to be your main practice. But what I'll point to here are some, some pieces of this practice that um, I believe are useful for any practice. So, and those three pieces, <laughs> those three key pieces that I, I think we've been, I've said so many times this week, relax. Relaxation, as I've described it, you know, relaxation supports our capacity to be present. And if you're starting any practice from a place of tension, that's going to infuse how you're paying attention. And so allowing the relaxation will support whatever form of practice. So you, could, you can always begin with that. And then uh, the second piece uh, is receiving. I think I mentioned this a little bit briefly earlier in the week, but um, I'll just re reiterate it and maybe clarify it a little bit. In this practice, the receiving is very much an open, receptive awareness. We are not choosing what to pay attention to. It really is allowing the conditioning to reveal itself and whatever is obvious is what's kind of the product of the conditioning that, that has come to be in this moment. We're not choosing to aim our attention at anything. And so it's a, it's a true receptive practice in that way. It has no agenda for what to receive. It just receives whatever's here. And yet this capacity of mind or the, the, the practice in receiving, the practice that we've been cultivating to um, let experience come to us, we can use that even if we direct our attention at something. And I think this is probably what was happening for the person who wrote this question with the breath. I've certainly noticed this for myself with breath practice once. When I do a lot of receptive awareness practice and then shift to breathing practice, very naturally the receptive style gets kind of connected to the breathing. And so uh, instead of like trying to dive into the breath and see all the details of it, I would just be like, oh, there's a breath and wow, that's what it feels like so that there's a way that we can you know, kind of attune our attention to some particular area of experience, such as the breath, for instance, and then receive the breath. So the directing is kind of more like, um, kind of like a narrowing of the field from which we receive in the, in the, open the open receptive practice we don't we don't necessarily narrow that field unless there's something going on where we need to change our focus because the mind isn't able to be with something that's arising 
but we can also like just narrow down to the body or just narrow down to the breath. That's a, that's a capacity we have, that directing of the attention, the aiming of the attention. But that aiming of attention can just be a kind of like a, a narrowing down to receive within a particular field. So maybe just right now play with that. Like, now let your attention kind of attune to the breath. Then settle back and let the breath come to you. An in-breath. How is that received? An out-breath. How is that received? To me, it feels less like the mind is, is kind of aiming at something and more like it's attuned to. And I like that word attunement. It, uh, it's resonant with um, tuning a radio, you know, a radio receiver. You turn the dial and it tunes to a particular frequency. And then, you know, the, the radio doesn't go out and grab the waves, the radio waves. It just receives a narrower frequency. And so the radio is just, it's very receptive. It's just been tuned to a particular frequency. And that's kind of what we're exploring. Let's tune to the frequency of the breath or maybe tune to the frequency of the body or maybe tune to the frequency of feeling tone for a little while whatever you choose to direct the attention, whatever practice, maybe it's metta, if it's the practice of loving kindness, the, the M-E-T-T-A, the metta practice, um, where we're cultivating loving kindness, using the phrases. So we, uh, you know, in the metta practice, the way I found the receptive awareness um, interesting and useful is to say a phrase, which is a very directed kind of thing. You know, may you be happy, may you be safe, but then receiving how it, how it is to have expressed that wish of kindness. So may you be happy. How is it to have expressed that? Receiving the, the effect of making that wish. So this receptivity can be used in so many ways. I would say this, this piece has made, when I've practiced other practices, the piece of receiving experience has made them all much, much um, less tight, less striving. Rather than having the agenda, I need to experience something, it's like, well, I'm going to tune to this and then see what's there. Let's just receive that. So I think receptivity is, is a huge support for us in however, whatever practice you follow out of this retreat, you might explore how that receptivity can play with that practice. And then the other piece, the third, third piece of this is allowing that attitude of willingness to be with whatever is arising within experience. I think pretty much every single meditation teaching that I've ever learned 
includes this in the teaching. Every single practice I've ever learned really includes this in the teaching. But sometimes it feels um, it's, it's a little less highlighted or something, perhaps. And so, you know, like, you have to be uh, reminded that, that that attitude of allowing is a part of how mindfulness, mindfulness works. Wise mindfulness is not in general trying to make something different happen, but to be able to be with what is happening, even if we attune, even if we're aiming at or choosing to cultivate metta practice or choosing to be with the breath. When you express the metta phrase and receive the, the effect of that, it may not be the feeling of loving kindness. It might be frustration. That can be allowed within the metta practice. When you're attuning to the breath, the breath may not feel the way you want it to feel, but allowing the breath to be the way it is. So these, these tools of relax, receive, allow can be applied in an open receptive practice or in a directed practice. And if those, um, if you have learned something about those three pieces and carry those into whatever practice you do, I, I feel like that will be, have been a really good learning, a good time of learning. And some of you may find that this practice is very resonant for you, that it just feels like, wow, you know, I've met, I met people I've met people who um, I've taught this practice to after they've spent years, you know, 10 years trying to, to be with the breath. And they hear me say this and the question, you know, you mean I don't have to be with the breath? No, you don't have to be with the breath. You can be with whatever's arising. And, and that one person in particular said, I wish somebody had told me this 10 years ago because I have beaten myself up trying to be with the breath. This feels much more natural. So this is another kind of piece in terms of whatever practices you choose to do. You know, I think just some general guidance or suggestions on what, what the practices, what practices you choose are. Um, you know, sometimes based on our habits of, of life and the way we tend to learn things, we, we tend to go about things sometimes by feeling like, okay, well, that's the area, this part of, of experience or this thing is what I'm not so good at, so I'm going to devote my energy to that. And if we want to learn something new, we, we tend to pick the things that we're not so good at perhaps and, 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 and go there, try to cultivate that skill. What I would say in mindfulness and meditation practice is that it's best to go in the door, the doorway of the Dharma, that is easiest. That feels most natural, most relaxed, most easeful. If you find this practice easeful, but concentration practice harder, start with this practice. And then over time, you might find that there's some ways, it's like whatever, whatever doorway you choose, actually, the, the Dharma, the Dharma is vast. And there's many doorways where we can enter into the Dharma. Um, but the Dharma is all connected in the middle. And so 
you can go in through the doorway of open awareness practice. And then as the mind begins to settle and kind of find its way to allowing experience, then it might then be able to pick up metta practice where it had been very resistant to metta practice before, or might be able to focus on the breath where that had been very challenging before. And so there's like the, whatever doorway is easiest, go in there. And, and as the, that is cultivated, then there can be some um, development or cultivation perhaps of other tools. I myself found um, the metta practice to be extremely difficult. It's very uh, resistant to that. And, and I, 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 I fortunately just decided, okay, I'm not going to do this. You know, whenever they start doing the metta practice, I'm going to get up and leave the room. And I was on a lot of the retreats where they did it every day. And so I would just not participate in those because I saw it was just tying my mind up into knots. But then at one point, uh, you know, probably, I think it was probably three or four years into my practice, at some point a teacher said, you could try metta practice was one of my Burmese teachers and I had let the metta practice go for a long time and and I thought oh well Sayadaw you don't know me that well but okay you know when the Burmese teacher asks you to do something you go off and do it and then report back of what happens and so that's what I did and I went off to uh, to uh, try the metta practice and lo and behold it was easy after two or three years of not doing it of letting it go of cultivating allowing what is which was the practice I had been cultivating, the, 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 the mindfulness practice, allowing experience. That had cultivated enough metta to make the metta practice accessible after a few years. And so you go in whatever doorways feel easiest. If, you're, if you feel like this doorway is really hard for you, maybe there's some pieces of this that can support you with your other practices. But I would encourage you to... to Start with whatever, you know, cultivate those practices that are the most natural for you. If you're, if you're further along in your practice, if, you're, um, you, know, if, you've, if you have uh, been practicing for a while and find that those have gotten really easy, but then you're finding new things, new understandings, new insights with this practice, you could stay with this practice for a little while. See, just see what unfolds with it. And then another question, and this will have to be brief, um, regarding how the samadhi that this practice cultivates compares to the samadhi cultivated in jhana practice. Um, so what I would say basically, you know, the jhana practice, it depends on how you're doing the jhana practice, but the jhana practice is described by the, the commentaries, the the way it's often understood in the, um, in the um, Vipassana communities is as a very, very still kind of, of concentration. It is cultivated by staying with one object. And what happens when we stay with one object is that the, the object gets very still all the other objects start to fall away because the mind gets more focused on this one and is not interested in the other ones. And so the object, the object gets very still and the mindfulness, the mindfulness gets very stable 
on a very still object. And then ultimately what happens in the deeper states of jhana is that the mind constructs a concept and stabilizes a concept and then that is what the concentration is about. Concentration is an absorption into a concept and that concept can be very, very still. Our minds have the capacity to, to hold on to a concept for a stretch of time. This can be this can be used, this can this can be used in our daily life in ways not so skillful, but in concentration practice, it's used to cultivate this skill of stability. So the experience in the jhana states is of stillness, stillness of object and stillness of awareness. So there's not much change happening in that kind of concentration practice. In fact, the commentaries say you can't gain insight in those places because there's no change happening. And the insight in this practice develops on seeing and understanding change. And so the, the concentration itself, that deep state of concentration is not a place where insight can develop, but insight develops a lot of insight can develop in the mind that is learning how to put the concentration together. So that the process of shaping and creating that, a lot of insight can come from that. And a lot of insight can come as that state falls apart. And so that's where the, the insights come around the state of concentration in that practice. In the, in the deep absorption practices. There are concentration practices that are more like um, you stabilize with the breath, like the certain Mahasi, in the Mahasi practice with the breath, you are paying attention to the changing nature of the breath. So you're staying with one object, but you're noticing change. So it's not really a jhana practice in the way that the, that the um, commentaries describe because you're noticing change. So that practice has a little more similarity. The concentration that develops with that practice has more similarity to the concentration that this practice develops. It is moment to moment knowing experience as it's changing. In the practice that we're developing here, we are stabilizing the mindfulness. The mindfulness can get very still, but generally, the experience of the objects does not get very still. You know, there's change there. That's the, we, are, we are meeting change right from the beginning with this practice. And that feels quite different actually uh, in the experience. Now the mindfulness, you know, sometimes as we, as we stabilize the mindfulness, the stillness of the mindfulness there, the qualities that happen uh, in the mind, um, the, the descriptions of the jhana states in the suttas that come with um, stabilizing of the attention and the, um, uh, the, the delight and the, um, you know, the, the energetic uh, rapture experience and the pleasantness that comes with the with the concentration and the kind of the um, gathering, collecting of the mind. Those happen in this kind of uh, concentration. 
They're just not absorbing into one object. But the, the delight, the rapture, the, the kind of the, 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 pleasure, the pleasure of being present, those do happen as the mind gets more stable in concentration, as the mindfulness gets continuous and it's not reactive to what's happening, as the, as the greed, aversion, delusion fall out of the mind and it's just in that place of allowing what's here, the qualities in the mind are the description that the description of the jhanas and the suttas match this experience quite quite well so um, um that's as far, much as i've got time for this morning <laughs> so um there are some announcements it being the last day um, so just want to review the schedule again. Um, as usual, the groups will the group will meet this morning. This is the final group. Um, uh, we'll meet uh, this morning with Anne at uh, nine thirty, and then the peer led sitting will be at eleven fifteen. Um, this is all posted on the on the um, retreat page, and then at two o'clock this afternoon will be the talking practice with Anne. And um, that's optional. You can come if you like. Um, it will be um, a time to uh, kind of practice talking uh, meditation, to practice being aware while talking. Let's put it that way. You know, that's what Sayadaw says. Let's be aware while walking. Let's be aware while talking. Um, and it's challenging. It's one of the hardest places to bring mindfulness into. And so Anna will offer some some guidance at the beginning and then we'll do it in small groups so it'll be in breakout rooms in that in that time small groups of two or three people um, and so if you'd like to come to that you need to come at the beginning in fact we'd like you to come five minutes early so that everybody is there at two o'clock so that that when the we we join in we can start to create the breakout rooms um, so it's not something you can decide to come to in the middle of the session because the breakout rooms will already be in, in going by that point. Um, and then we'll meet at usual at seven o'clock for our final session at seven o'clock in Finland. You do your own translation for whatever time zone you are, you're in, for those of you in different time zones. Our usual, same time, same time we're meeting. And the closing session, at that closing session, we will be talking some about, um, there'll be, it'll be a kind of different things happening. Some will be announcements. Um, we'll be talking a little bit about some of the details of Donna and um, um, Neroda um, programs and things like that. And some of that information is going to be posted on the website this afternoon. So you can check into that and we'll be, but we'll be reviewing it at the session. But we'll also be talking about um, transitioning out of retreat and uh, practicing with that transition. So any other, any other uh, announcements? Um, did I miss anything? 
Maybe I could just mention that we have a little, we will have a little bit of time for questions and answers in the evening. If you have any questions about practicing daily life and transition out of retreat and that sort of thing, and feel free to use the form again if you like, or you can save your questions to the session. But it's it's less time than the previous days, but still there's some time. Yeah, thank thank you for reminding me of that. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, there is going to be not only time for us to share share our thoughts, but to take some questions if you have questions about practicing in in daily life. Yeah. Anything else we need to? Uh, maybe just one more thing, like in order to see the updated schedule on the web page, you need to actually refresh or reload the web page by yourself. If, if it's just sitting there on your browser, it doesn't get updated automatically. Oh, and I will post the full um, transcription from the retreat that I've been posting little pieces of as we've gone. Uh, this morning, following, following the session, I'll post the full, uh, full document. Um, and that's available for you. Um, you might want to download it if you want to keep a copy. I don't know how long it'll stay. That that page will stay up there. So, okay. Enjoy your day, and I will see you later. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit Dharma Seed dot org slash donate.